Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. that the Megillah is to be read on the 11th, on the 12th, on the 13th, 14th, Shabbat on the 15th. And it's a whole big thing because the people in the little villages, they can't read the Megillah on their own. They need someone to read it for them. And they cannot afford to come every day to the city. They can only come on Monday and Thursday. So it comes out that the Gemara makes a whole Geschäftel that, let's say, Purim is on Sunday. So then Thursday before is the 11th, right? And if Purim is on Wednesday, <laughs> then, then it's the 12th. And if it's on Friday, Purim, like this year, then it's on the 13th. And if Purim is on Monday or Thursday? Huh? Pesach, yeah. And it's on the 14th. Cute like sugar. Anyway, so then, so the Megillah is to be read on the 11th, 14th, 15th, and 15th, but not after that. So Bachsinim, this was only in the time when, when with the Mikdash and everything, after. But anyway, so according to Misnagdim, you know, they don't bother so much with it. But according to Chsidis, if today the Megillah, that, that means, if the Megillah can be read, that means there's already a great light shining one way or the other. So Bachsidim, let's say in Bobov and Sons, so, it also is very important to know, you know, Megillah has two meanings. Megillah comes from the word uh, a letter, a book, scroll, you know. And Megillah comes from the word Goloi. It means it's open, it's revealed. Okay. So, listen to this. So, we have learned that from... Okay, then something very important. Omar Rabbi Shurman Levi, Rabbi Shurman Levi says <coughs> that a person has to read the Megillah at night and also during the day. You have to realize something very, very deep, you know. That let's say for instance um, matzah. There's no such a thing. You have to eat matzah at night and mid- matzah in the morning because the whole day is like one piece. You know, have to to eat matzah the whole time. Megillah. There's really like two mitzvahs. There's a special mitzvah to read the Megillah at night, and there's a special mitzvah reading the Megillah in the morning because at night, you know, when it's really still dark, then you gotta hold on to the Megillah. 
And when it's day, most people forget what happened to them yesterday, basically. You know? I'm in trouble the next day, it's okay, forget it. You know, the world always says forget it. So, it's not. So there's a special myth for reading at night. At night is a very different kind of, 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 of light shining. Gives you strength for all the nights. And uh, in the morning, a different light is shining. Gives you strength to remember. And I'll tell you something very, very strong. Hey, Brother Jacob. In the morning, when we read the Megillah, we also, before that, read the story of Amalek. Don't forget to wipe out Amalek. And it says, when, when, when God, when there will be peace in the world, God live you in peace, then you have to wipe out Amalek. You know what the world is like? The world only wants to wipe out Amalek when he steps on their toes, right? Let's say the poor man, someone steps on his toes and suddenly he's against, against injustice. But this same poor man, the moment he's rich, and normal steps on his toenails, then he forgets already. For us, it's the other way around. As long as someone steps on your toenails, then you don't want to wipe out evil. You're just looking for, to get rid of somebody stepping on your toenails, you know? So don't say, don't say, some tell the world stories if you want to wipe out evil. But after nobody steps on your toenails anymore, you're okay. Then, and if you speak up against evil, then it's really not for selfish reasons, then it's really you want to wipe out evil. So at night, when we're still in the state of night, we cannot talk about wiping out evil because maybe at night I'm afraid of Haman. It's not that I'm, that I'm so holy, I want to wipe out evil, I just don't want to be killed. But in the morning when everything is okay, then I speak up, that means really I want to wipe out evil. So the Gemara says you have to read the Megillah at night and then in the morning. And each time you make a bracha and each time you make shachyonim because it's a different kind of mitzvah. Although it's a very big machloikis between Rambam and Rishonim, if you have to make shachyonim because according to Rambam, Regardless, it's a mitzvah, but I made a very shachyonu. But the way we're doing it, because it's mamish like a completely different mitzvah. It's a mitzvah at night. Hey, Michael, and then where are you going? No, the mamish not disturbing, really. Okay, good. Okay, you have to leave everything behind and run to, re- to hear the Megillah. If you're learning, you know, some people say, I'm such a great scholar, I gotta learn, gotta run. But then there's something very strong. Everybody knows that all the cities which have no wall around them, read it on the, on the 11th, 13th, 14th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, and, this, and all the cities which are surrounded by walls since the time of Yeshua, which are very, very few cities. I don't know if some of you kids know that Prague, you know, crazy enough, do you know that? That Prague is one of the oldest cities in the world, and Prague, according to tradition, was surrounded by wall already in the time of Yeshua. Can you imagine? The time of Joshua was really surrounded by a wall. But there's a whole big thing going on. So in, 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 in Prague, is a big shyness. Some read it on the 14th. And some say you have, you have maybe to read it on the 15th also. Big shyness. But anyway, Yerushalayim definitely. Yerushalayim in the time of Joshua was surrounded by a wall. Yerushalayim definitely was surrounded by a wall. But not only the city itself, Was it coffee? No, not so good for me. Thank you, Baba.
person who lives in a little city who has no wall, he comes to a city where there is a wall, then the one, when should he read? When is he considered being part of the city which has a wall? That's Mamash Ahol Gemara and it's very, very deep. Generally you have to know exactly when you move to another city, when are you called being part of that city? When are you losing identity with the place you're coming from? But basically, when it comes to Purim, it's like this. Wherever you are, that's, that's where you have to be. Yeah. Let's see, I'm, I'm living in New York. And let's see, imagine San Francisco would be surrounded by a wall from the time of Yeshua. And I arrive here in San Francisco, and I think I really got to go back for Purim. You know, I got to go back to New York. Then it so happens, if I, you know, a person decides to come staying. If, if before Purim he decided he wanted to go back, even if he didn't, then he's not considered living in the city because he really wants to leave. But uh, if he wants to come to stay here, then he becomes part of the city on that day. It's very, very strong, you know. That means uh, wherever you are, it so happens you're there with your feet. If you didn't want to be there, you want to be somewhere else, you're not considered being there. You know? But if you're mamish there and you want to be there, that means you're there. What else? Everybody's, everybody has to read it. Koranim, Levium, Israelim, men, women. Normal, not normal. Clever, not clever. Everybody. And children have to be, when they're little, when they can understand, when they're talking to them, they have to hear it also. And the Gemara says, they will show him a lady, would, would get all his people of his house together and read it before them. This is very special. It's a very deep thing, you know. Because you have to realize one thing. Reading the Megillah is two things. First of all, you have to hear the story. And then, because there's a very big thing in Megillah, you have to let the world know about the great miracles God did. So when I go to Shu, I'm doing two things. First of all, I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling the mitzvah of, of listening to the story. And also, I'm taking part of making the story known to the world. Because the more people are there, the greater, the greater, you know. Let's say if, if I announce uh, that something is very special is happening, every person who comes makes it more special, right? Because if it wouldn't be so special, then we would come. So, for instance, the very big thing, you know, it's, it's a whole long thing, you know. If a person can read along the Megillah or go to Shul where there's a minion, you know. So, as a special myths, we go to Shul because by going to Shul, I tell about, oh, you know, something special is going to happen tonight. we got to hear the story, you know. Because each time you have to hear the story, like, you never heard it before. Anything, anything you hear, if, if you heard it before, it's meaningless. You know, it's to be like, I never heard it before. But then there was a very special thing of telling telling your, 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 your wife and your children. It's also a very special thing. So we show Malavi, besides going to Shur, besides reading the Megillah, he would come home and read the Megillah again at home. Then you can read the Megillah standing or sitting, but uh, it's better if you do it standing. And then something very important, you know, you have to read the Megillah inside, you know, 
cannot just tell the story, you have to read every word inside. But if a person, someone's reading it inside and you're listening to it, it's also good because the words are coming out of, out of the written thing. to read in order as it is. That's very important. All the last line has to be written. Oh, now comes a very, very important thing. You have to say Alanisim. You don't say Halil because by telling the story is like saying Halil already. Then this is very, very important. You have to, on that day, you have to give gifts to the poor. And you have to give two gifts to poor to two poor people. And again, the poor man who is receiving the money should really eat up the money on Purim because it's given to him for Purim, you know. Not, let's say, a poor man and he wants to put it in the safe. It's very sweet, but really he shouldn't, you know. He really should spend the money on Purim itself. And then it says it's a very big mitzvah to make a big feast. And managed to be so high, everybody knows, not to know the difference. Yeah? Who? I don't know. Okay, good. You're permitted to work, but if you do it, there's much blessing in your work, because you should not. Yeah, if you understand it, yeah. But there's, again, it's a big shiloh. Maybe it has to be written down, you know, on a, on a parchment. It has to be written down. Because, because you have to read it out of, of a scroll, you know. Right. So it's a big shiloh. So it's better, in order to avoid all shilohs, you should manage read it in Hebrew and concentrate. You see, it has to be strong concentration. Yeah, it has to be much parchment, you know. Parchment it has to be very strong concentration. You have to hear every word, every sound. Even if you don't understand, it doesn't matter, you know. So I'm Amish, I'm top and reading fast, you know. I'm reading, last time I think it took me 16 minutes and about 4 seconds, you know. <laughs> Usually it takes them an hour, you know. It's got to be strong, you know. But you see, the whole thing is that utmost, it's, it's a very strong thing because the utmost of evil is non-concentration, you know. If you concentrate, evil doesn't have so much admission to you, you know. Evil makes you forget, and ach, 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 you know. But if you concentrate, strongest, utmost. Okay. Hi. Let's learn something from here, very strong. Learn strong. From Rav Kook, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking if he says something on Purim, he better. <coughs> you have to go to work, Harganem? No. Okay, the deepest depths of Purim is two things, you know. Bigmore says that, it says, after the story was over, it says, Kimu v'kiblu. Kimu, they did v'kiblu and they, and they accepted. So the Gemara says, Kimu, 
Masha Kibbeh they began to, they received again the Torah that means if someone were to ask you when did you receive the Torah you know when did your mamish receive the Torah so you have to answer you received it twice once on Mount Sinai the second time in Shushan on Purim oh, let's say every year receives the Torah twice once on Shavuos and the other the other time on, on Purim very very strong the Gemara says that Shavuos was not so strong on Mount Sinai because on Mount Sinai the Gemara says Kofalem Hakigigis that God took the mountain and held it over us and he says if you don't receive the Torah God forbid you'll die so we were just like a little bit forced into it so everybody understands you know by his right mind that God didn't take a little mountain held it over us and say hey, hey listen brother Moshele you know you better you know let's go brother you know so the morale says something utmost deep deepest depths there is that the greatest greatest utmost greatest things in the world as much and besides the greatest question is God didn't have to force us we wanted to it says Nasev and Ishma, you know we were yelling the whole time we want to be on Mount Sinai <coughs> the Maal says something very deep that the greatest greatest things in the world as much as we have free choice but after we have free choice we realize it just could have never been otherwise it just couldn't have been otherwise it means at that moment I had free choice but then after I accepted that you know I realized that couldn't have been any other way. You know, it's very deep, you know, for instance, let's say, for instance, you can, you have free choice to marry ten girls, right? And then you decide on this one. And after that, you realize, I didn't even have choice, you know? You had free choice, you know? But it's so strong that you realize, I couldn't have married somebody else, right? Because this is it, right? First, let's say you have you have choice to keep Shabbos or not keep Shabbos every Friday, right? But then you eventually have to Shabbos, you know. How could you not keep Shabbos, right? Well, every morning you have ch- free choice to put on film or not. But then God has compassion and you put that film on. When you have that film, how could you not, right? How could you not? That means in the deepest depths of Maral says, while we were standing on Mount Sinai, God connected us Imagine free choice, we just said hi, right? But then there's something which is even deeper than free choice, you know, just really the deepest depth there is. Where there's only God's will, not my choice. My choice doesn't even matter, right? So on Mount Sinai, God connected me to that deepest, deepest depth there is, I have no choice. You know, it's very beautiful, you know, the holiness of man is that I have free choice, right? Every second I have free choice. I can walk out now and just go to a store, take a little knife, I'll make a hold up, right? My free choice is completely open. But then, there's such a very deep thing to be on the level, like, I don't have free choice anymore, because it's so clear to me. Let's put it this way, if a person still lives on the choice level, let's say the world is still on the level, they still have free choice to kill or not to kill, right? They can kill, cannot kill. Okay, there are some people, thank God, already on the level, when it comes mamish to killing, they're already beyond free choice, right? For instance, I don't have free choice to kill. I just, thank God, I don't. 
Thank God. I'm ready on the level. A little bit. I hope that I cannot take out a knife and kill someone. Some other people are still on that low level of free choice when it comes to killing. Okay, but let's say maybe I still have free choice to hurt somebody's feelings, sadly enough, right? So on that level of killing this words, I'm not over it yet. I still have free choice. Maybe someday God will help me. I'll be a little bit higher. So then I'll reach the level also that I won't have choice on that. By my free choice. So this is very high. This is the level of Mount Sinai. But then, there's something even deeper. If there is such a thing. But still, it means like a little bit annihilation before God. I realize this is the way God wants it to be and this is should be. But then, the Maal says something utmost depth that after this whole thing, there's another level of free choice up there. After this whole thing, up there. There's also free choice. Because God has choice, right? Like God's free choice. You know, let, let's, let's put it this way, you know, on a very high level. Like before. Okay, let's say if I have free choice to marry ten girls. So then I decide on this is the girl I marry, right? By my free choice. But then, you know, after I marry her, we're standing under the chuppah, and I realize I could have never mar married anybody else, right? So I reach very high. I reach already that level where God's choice was that I should marry this girl. But then, there's a higher level that God's free choice that I should marry this girl, right? God had free choice, right? And if I reach that highest, highest level, you know, God's free choice, and I realize it really could have been other way, you know? Deeper steps there is. And why was this brought about on, on Purim? You see, on, on doing, on, on Mount Sinai, just God spoke to us and God opened all the gates of heaven and we saw Mamish the light. Mamish, we saw the light, right? We saw, we saw the holiness of not killing, we saw the holiness of Shabbos, we saw the holiness of Mamish fulfilling God's word. But we never saw the abyss of the other side. We never saw how a person really looks when he kills. We never saw how low a person can become, you know, when he's drunk, or just dehumanized. Purim, you know, was no light. When Haman wanted to kill us, we were in the lowest, utmost of assimilation at that point, you know, we were just the lowest. And so we had given up hope already completely. But you know what we saw? Mamish, we saw how dark the world is without terror. We saw without Yiddishkeit, without God's word, without the Torah, to the end. So this is a completely different kind of seeing, you know. So then we received the Torah again, utmost, not because it was so much light, but because Mamish, we saw the other side, you know. And there we have complete free choice again. You see, the other side is when I see so much light that I have no choice. It's so good, right? Let's say I get married and I love my wife so much, I'm so happy, I could never ma marry anybody else. But Purim is the other side, right? By my own free choice, I became a guy. I left everything. I was sitting by Hashverosh, lick, licking him, right? And I realized, Gewalt, what's going on here? <coughs> but anyway, so in the deepest depths, all of them agreed that on a very high level that there's such a thing as Torah Shebik Saf, 
you know, the written Torah, which is Mamish God's word. And then Torah Shubal Peh is whatever I add, because the holiness of the Torah is that everybody can add to it, and it's real. You know, it's Tachmamisha Gewalt. You know, God spoke to Moses from Mount Sinai. I'm learning it. And this is 3,500 years later. I can learn a little passage in, in, in the Chumash in the Bible. And I, I, I can add my own thoughts to it. And they're Mamish holy. And they're Mamish Teure, you know. They're Mamish from Mount Sinai. If I really mean it, you know. So the thing is that according to Chesidus, in the very deepest depth, according to the Gemara, on Mount Sinai, the Mamish received God's word, right? But it was not so much our own involvement. We're just receiving. On Purim begins because really historically the time of the Gemara Mishnahis begins after Purim. You know, they came back to the Second Temple, and prophecy was already over. It's the time of the Gemara. You know, not so much receiving because prophecy is just receiving. Gemara is learning, the time of learning, on my own. You know, adding something to it. This is on Purim. Suddenly I realize, you know, Gewalt, you know. Let's put it this way, on, 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 on Mount Sinai I see the holiness of God, the deepest depths, right? On Purim, I see the holiness of the Jewish people, you know, I've got to be part of them, you know, can't be without it. So therefore, on Purim, I'm running around giving gifts to every leader I can possibly find, you know. You know how holy we are, you know, the holiness of the people. So deep, so deep. Because if the lowest little creeper that can add something to the Torah, and again, and the craziest thing is, it, it's like, it's like a circle, you know? And after that, after that I also realize that, you know what it is, after I realize the depths of darkness, I realized that it was so good that I saw it. It was so good. Because otherwise, how would I know? So therefore, on Purim itself, I have no hatred against evil either because it taught me so much. So deep. So on Purim, I don't know the difference between Mordre and Haman because Mordre taught me a lot and Haman also. Haman taught me a lot. Let's put it this way, I'll tell you in the deepest depth even more so. See, on Mount Sinai, my only teacher was God. On Purim, Mamish life itself is my teacher. I look around in the world, you know, Mamish, I look at the world, see what's going on, right? I see Homan, I see Mordechai, I see how the world is like. And I realize how low the world can get without, without, without God. So as much as I, it's, I'm ready for God's teaching, but, but in the deepest depths, it was Mamish the world who taught me. So I cannot go to the world and say, you're evil. As much as I saw how evil the world is, but I say, thank you for being my teacher. Okay, now listen to this. Yeah? Yeah, no, I'm not signing. We didn't think anymore about Mitzrayim. You know, it was Mamish was so much live. We just saw... God opened all the gates of heaven was only light. You know, but it was not, you know, it was so much light that you can be overpowered by light also, you know. Purim was mamish dark, right? There was no, no revelation before. I have to tell you something very cute, you know. The Rebbe Rapp was way out clever, you know, it's really tough. 
You know, Rebbe Rebbe, Rebbe of Tzadok, he lived in about in the, six, in the 16th century. He was like a super genius. So on Purim, you know, you have to drink wine. But his father was so poor, he had no wine. No money. So he says to his son, Herschelet, you're such a super genius. Here you have a bottle of wine. And buy me some wine. He says, I have no money. He says, listen. Wine with money, you don't have to be a genius, you know. Let's see how, how much you can buy wine without money. Good, he takes a bottle and he comes back. Brings back an empty bottle. Says, says, father says, what's going on here? He says, listen. He says, to pour out wine from a full bottle, <laughs> you have to be a genius. Let's see what kind of a genius you are to pour out wine from an empty bottle. You know? <laughs> Pretty strong. But now listen, this, this, I think is the most clever thing. His father says to him, what's so bad about Haman? He says, he was not the first one who wanted to kill all the Jews, other people also. He says, you know, what the chutzpah was <laughs> that he wanted to kill us on Purim. <laughs> it's very strong, you know. <laughs> okay, listen, kids. I just want you to think of it in a very deeper steps way. There is a revelation. Light is a great revelation. You know, knowing is a great revelation. Seeing is a great revelation. But then, is a deeper kind of revelation without seeing, without knowing. Take it on, on a very simple level. Imagine, you know, the way a blind man puts his hand on your face and he looks at your face with his hands. A different kind of seeing, right? Very deep kind of seeing. So the difference between Mount Sinai and Purim is that on, on Mount Sinai I saw everything with my eyes. I saw it. Purim, I was so des desperate, didn't see anything. But somehow, well, I didn't. I saw it in different ways. I see what's going on in the world. Right? Like imagine you see God in Auschwitz. You know, you don't see it, but just now it's. There has to be something. Okay, now listen, of course, there's something very deep. So what happened on Purim, so the roots of Purim is that Mamish will receive the Torah again. And I want you to know something, in the deepest depths, you see, it's not enough that I decide I want to keep the Torah again. You know, a lot of times I repent a little bit and I say, okay, from now on I'll be good. This is all year long. Purim is on a deeper, deeper level. I'm receiving... God invited us to speak to us, you know, told us, come to Mansan, I'll talk to you. That means God made the date, right? On Purim, so to speak, we made the date with God, you know, we like forced him, you know. You gotta, you gotta talk to us again, you know. You got to. But not just every law, you know, every law is very holy and every word is very holy, but it is something deeper than all that. You know, really mummish the receiving of the whole Torah. So he says that the whole Torah, you know, that we are still Jews, that we are still, the Torah is only because of Purim. You know, because obviously Mount Sinai would not be strong enough to keep us going to Mashiach's coming. Purim keeps us going. And therefore Purim is just, the Gemara says, the Torah does not say about Pesach, it will always be, because it's really always anyway. And Shavuos, 
does not say in the Torah always be shvuz, although it will be. But Purim says in the Torah we may Purim le yavru. Purim will always be. That means Purim is that which gives us eternity. Purim keeps us going all the time. You know what it is? Something very, very deep. You know, I want so much from my life. I want so much from the world, right? Um, everybody's desperate for friends. And suddenly we realize that as people, Mom, you have no friends in the world, right? Haman wants to get all the Jews and nobody said anything, right? You have to realize something very strong. You know, the utmost, like today, you know, in Germany, they thought when they assimilate, there'll be no anti-Semitism, Right? They thought, if I walk around without a yarmulke, I look like a guy, and I do everything like my neighbor, then they like me. That's a big mistake. It's nothing to do with it. Because during the time of Haman, they were completely assimilated. Remember I told you, it says, Ish Yehudi Hoyo B'Shushan, was one Jew in Shushan. And the marriage says, well, well, one Jew, there was thousands of Jews. But Mordechai was the only one who was walking around with sitzes and with a yarmulke. The rest walked around without yarmulkes and sitzes. So when Mordechai walked on the street, everybody knew, you know, it's a Yidala walking. Okay, and this is so strong. Why, why, why is a person not permitted to be drunk? Because basically, I don't know what I'll do when I'm drunk. I don't know. I know consciously I want to be good. But I never know what I want to do unconsciously. If I'm not master of my senses, who knows what I'm going to do, God forbid. Purim, it's so strong. You know, I'm so shook up from the world. I'm so shook up and I know so much what evil can do to the world. And I'm mamish, I know even if I be drunk to the lowest, I only want to be good Mamish, I know that it reached my deepest depths the way right? I know it. You see, on Shavuos, I'm not so sure yet. I know that it was very high and very beautiful and very sweet, but I never know. Maybe unconsciously I can run and make a golden calf. After Shavuos, I don't know. I can still make a golden calf if something goes wrong. Poor him, I know it can't, nothing can go wrong because I saw already what's happening when it's going wrong, right? So that means on Purim suddenly the deepest, deepest, deepest depths of me suddenly becomes very clear to me. And you know what it is? It says, When I drink wine, I tell all my secrets. You know, wine has something very deep. You know, Chesidus is very strong because what, what is wine? Because the grape was just a grape. You didn't think there was wine in there. You, suddenly, you know, you start squeezing out something from the grape and suddenly wine is coming out of it deepest secrets and what basically happens to us sometimes you know we think everything is beautiful and then something goes wrong God forbid Haman starts squeezing us you know exile all my all my all my mistakes squeezing everything out of me and I'm so desperate and suddenly you know what's coming out the most beautiful thing in the world wine which was really inside all the time I just didn't know about it so great secrets are coming out and Wine really makes me drunk. You know, basically, only secrets can make me drunk. 
what Rav Kook says something very deep. All year long, we drink somebody else's wine, we get we get drunk on somebody else's secret. We forget our own secret. Purim is, we get in drunk again our own secrets. Because the greatest secret of me is that there really is one God. It's the deepest secret there is. And suddenly at Purim, it becomes so clear to me. You know? I can be drunk, I can eat like a dog, lie on the floor. And all I know, there is one God. That's all there is to it. Nothing else matters. Someone asked me, listen, did you hear of Haman? He's so bad. I said, I don't care. You know, just, I know there's one God. That's okay. okay, you have to know something on Purim. Such a deep light is shining in, in the holiness of Purim. I'll tell you something very beautiful. The Holy Lechavich has said, that he was praying all his life, he should he should die on the holiest day. You know, he wants to be the holiest level, then he should die. So then he realized that the holiest day in the world is Purim. But then he prayed again that he shouldn't die in Purim because why should he disturb Purim to his family? You know, so he prayed he shouldn't die. But basically, and I tell you something way out. Lechovich has said, imagine if he would have to do something wrong, and he had free choice doing wrong on Yom Kippur on Purim. He would decide to do wrong on, on Yom Kippur, but not on Purim. Purim is too holy. Can't do wrong on Purim. Because Purim, the light of Purim is just so strong. And I tell you something very deep. Why am I afraid to get drunk? Because I cannot guard myself, right? But if I would mamish know that God is guarding me all the time, what am I afraid of? All year long, I'm not so... I don't know really... I believe God is guarding me, but I'm still afraid a little bit. You know, I'm afraid. I don't want to try it. Who knows what's going to happen when I'm drunk. Poor, I'm, I'm so much aware that God is guarding me. I, I, I can get drunk like mad, and I know that God is guarding me. And the craziest thing is, I mamish get drunk, and it's a mitzvah to drink, and everything I do is mamish, you know, whatever I do, everything I do is a mitzvah, everything is good. Now something very deep. What is my greatest trouble? My soul doesn't have trouble to keep the Torah, to understand. I have trouble with my body, right? A little bit. On a physical level, it's very hard, Mamish, to be a servant of God, to be a Jew. Very, very hard. Trying to break through, but it's, oh, sometimes you have to struggle a whole life, right? The holiness of Purim is, the difference between Purim and Shavu is very simple. On Shavu we were out of our skin, right? was so high, like, blew my mind on Shavuot. I stood on Mount Sinai, it was out of my skin, it was not so much physical. Purim, I'm completely physical, I eat, I drink, I can work. And there, on that level where I am, and the holiness of the Torah is Mama shining into my body. Because suddenly I realized, you know, you know what I knew suddenly, not only I'm a Jew with my soul, I'm a Jew with my body. If there's such a thing as Haman who wants to kill me physically because I'm a Jew, that means I'm physically a Jew, you know. You know, if, 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 I'm, if I'm good enough to be thrown in gas chambers because I'm, what are the throwing gas chambers? My, my body, right? That means something very holy about my body. Gewalt, my body is Jewish. 
and Mamish I feel it. And this is so strong, if this is such a great light, comes from the highest, highest place there is. And, you know, I always, my mind thought that my body wants to eat and drink. Not true. Purim, suddenly I know, all my body is, is, wants to do is Mamish just serve God. Like suddenly the secret of my body is coming out, not only of my soul, of my mind. The deepest depth there is. Say something very deep. Basically, my body is not a high enough deep enough vessel for the great light. So my, my, my soul receives all the light and my body is a little bit. On Purim, the craziest thing happens because I say, I say to God like this, if my body was good enough to be killed because I'm a Jew, why isn't it good enough to receive all the light of the world? And it really does. It really does. And this is very beautiful, you know. If only my soul is happy and my body is just a little bit, then as much as my soul is infinite, but because my body isn't completely with it, so this, the, the joy is not infinite. But on Purim, since even my body knows what it's all about, this, the joy is much infinite, even more than Simchus Torah. Oh, now something very deep. He says, why is a person not permitted to drink, to be drunk? Because when, you, when you're drunk, you're not permitted to pray because you cannot stand before God. Not in Purim. He says on Purim, he says, as much Rav Kook says, as much as nobody's saying it, but he wants to say on his own, that on Purim, even when you're drunk, you can still pray. Because Purim is a different kind of drunkenness. He says something like this, the greatest fight in the world is between the physical and the spiritual. Always, you know. Try to minimize it, try to pretend it isn't there, but it is. Physical drags you one way and the spiritual drags you another way. And even Yom Kippur, right? We don't deny that there's a fight, so we just ignore the physical. On Purim is one day when there's peace between them. One day. But even the physical is uplifted to the highest level there is. Even higher than Shabbos, because on Shabbos I'm not doing any work. On Shabbos also I tell my body, you know, just don't overdo it, don't expand yourself too much. If you will know something very deep, Megillah, he says, come, comes from the word Magal UK. You know what Magal means? Magal means it's a little thing where you cut the grass. How do you call that? A sickle. A sickle. Mm -hmm. Right. It's round, right? And you cut the grass. And Yud K is God's name, right? Yud K. Megillah is Magal Yud K. Means you cut off everything which which keeps you from knowing God's name. You know? Magal, you cut off everything and Yud K is shining, right? Magal Yud K. Because so much dust is growing, so much evil is growing in the world, you know? It doesn't let us see God's name. 
Now listen to this. God's name is Yudke Vovke, right? Vovke is that part of God which is revealed to us, which you can see the world. Yudke is that which is hidden. And on Purim is Magal Yudke. You know, I cut off everything which keeps me from knowing this, the secret of God. That God, that part of God which is hidden. So on Purim, Mamish, like, so to speak, not only my secrets are revealed, even so to speak, God is revealing his secrets to me also. On a different level, deepest level there is. And when God reveals his secrets, there's nothing in the way. something very deep you know in Yom Kippur the high priest was pronouncing God's name he was pronouncing it and he was saying it very holy and Purim we don't even say God's name because God's name is not even mentioned you know there are two ways tell something very deep there are two ways you know if I want to tell you a secret right and I don't want to tell it you we're not close enough and then we're getting very, very close. I tell you my secrets. Very kind of closeness. But there's a high kind of closeness. I'm not even telling you my secrets, but you know all my secrets. The difference is, if we're that close, I don't even have to tell you my secrets. You know, that the beautiful thing is, it doesn't stop being a secret. Because if I have to tell it to you, I pronounce it and I bring it forth, it's make it less of a secret. Jim Kippur is very holy, but God's hidden name the high priest is pronouncing it. It's very holy, so it's revealed to me. But it's a little bit less holy because suddenly it's revealed. On Purim, it's so holy, I'm not revealing anything, I'm not saying anything. I'm drunk, I don't know anything. Gavalt, but do I know things? You know, you know Purim, you'll ask me, what do you want? I'll say, give me another glass of wine. But Gavalt, you know, do I have secrets in my soul? Right? I just really know God's mom is revealed to me. And you'll ask me, tell me a story, I'll tell you a story without mentioning God's name. I'll tell you a story, I'll tell you the whole stupid story, right? Gewalt, it's full of secrets, right? I'm not even, you know, I'm not even revealing the secret. It's still a secret, but it's on the highest level. See what what Amalek is doing. The greatest. Let it go in a second. What evil is doing to the world, Amalek wants to keep you from getting to the secrets of the world, from getting to the secret of being a Jew, getting to the secret of God's name. He doesn't mind, you know. Know everything in the world. Be a great scientist, you know. Everything there is. Talk about everything there is, you know. And you know what else he wants to? If there is a secret, you know, splash it all over, right? Unsecreted, you know. Okay, let's put it this way on a very high level today, you know. Today everything, you know what's, what's the greatest force in the world today? To unsecret everything, you know. For instance, let's say for instance, there is such a thing as the very holy secret between husband and wife. They are very deep secrets, right? It's a holy thing. So what does the world do, you know? They just want to put everything right on the table. 
And, and maybe the way to teach children how they were born is a deep secret, a very holy thing. You've got to tell them in a very delicate way. Today, according to the world, when they're two years old, you show them movies, you know, just knock everything off, you know. It's good, but there's no secret. According to, to the world today, there are no secrets, you know. You go psychiatrists talk about everything. And that's called, that's called you're sophisticated. So where are the secrets of life? There's no more secrets left. The holiness that Purim is, I do everything the other way around. Everything becomes a secret. Drinking wine, secret. Eating, gotta eat now. It's a secret. I make a secret out of everything. I'm telling a story about God, I'm not mentioning God's name. But the deepest, deepest depth of secrets. And you see, the moment everything becomes a secret, then evil has no admission anymore. Evil can't reach there. Evil can only reach if everything stops being a secret. If everything is a secret, then evil has no admission. Say bad things. <coughs> what? No, no, I, I do it maybe later because right now, I have, but because it takes a lot of concentration. Right now, we've got exactly five minutes. Ask me anything else. Why is, it, why is it giving you fortune? Why, why do you give presents? Yeah. Because I'll tell you on a, on a very, very deep level the greatest secret in the world is life, right? Life itself. What is happening with food? It looks low, right? You eat. Do you know what you're doing? Your mom is receiving life. Absolute life. Pure life. Energy of life in its purest form, right? But you see the world, since the world is always anti-secrets, and they want to make everything coarse, so for them, it's not a secret when you eat, I receive life from an apple. Not true, you receive mamish life from God, you know, in the highest level there is. So on Purim... When we reach the highest level of secrets, I don't have to send you a book. I don't have to read you a poem. I'll give you an apple. It's the greatest secret in the world. Holiest secret. Life itself. Amish life. You see, maybe all year long, the holiest secret would be if I bless you. But on Purim, it's even higher, just life itself. You know. Especially Haman, he wanted to cut me off from life, right? He wanted to kill me. And suddenly I realize, you know, I tell you something very strong. Who knows the secret of life, right? God forbid somebody is very sick, right? And he has one more day to go, God forbid. He knows how precious life is, right? We don't know it. It's, 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 we are cut off from that holy secret of life. Purim, suddenly we are reconnecting ourselves. Mamish to the secret of him. Haman wanted to kill me. He wanted to kill all of Israel. Suddenly, life itself holiest thing in the world. 
And something else also is very, very deep, you know, that when you're mamish connected to life, then you really want to take care of the poor people, you know, because I want the poor people to live so much. Not so much giving, you know, just really I got to make sure they're living. On Purim, I got to give money to the poor, you know, do something for them. And, you know, it's, there's a different level. You know, you can walk up to a poor man and give him a penny. You can walk up to a pa- poor man and give him life. Okay, it wasn't a penny because I give you secrets, you know. Yeah? yeah? If you're supposed to give money to a poor person and he's supposed to use it on poor, him. yeah. Wouldn't it be appropriate to give him um, something good to eat rather than to give him money? But uh, this another level. Giving food is to a friend, you know. And the poor man, maybe, maybe he needs money. You know, maybe, maybe he needs shoes. You know, the poor man himself should use it on poor. But for my part, I give it to you. You know. Never, you know, a poor man. Maybe, maybe, maybe his wife needs a pair of shoes, and 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 it's a very big thing for him. You know, the greatest joy for him is to bring his wife some new shoes. You know. So, uh, well, well, so I'm giving a piece of chicken, you know, it's sweet, but he doesn't need it right now. You know? Shlomo, could yeah? you say something about the ba- balancing the struggle between the spiritual and the physical? Well, I wish I would know how to do it, you know. <laughs> I think about, you see, the whole thing is, as it is, you know, if I say that, that physical is, is unholy and spiritual is holy, then I'll never get out of it, you yeah. know. It's only on Purim when I realize the great secret that an apple is the holiest thing in the world, you know? There's no other way, you know? You see, as long as I think there is evil and good, I'll never get out of the whole thing, you know? But if I reach the level that all the evil in the world is just here to teach me, then there is no evil. There's no other way, you know? Looking, looking on, looking at evil from the top, you know? I look at it, say, Gewalt, you know? What Mr. Heyman taught me, wow, you know, what a teacher I had, you know. It's the craziest thing. See, like Habzusha says, if you, if you say, you know, you're supposed to thank God for the good and for the bad. But the moment you say it was bad, you can't thank Him anymore, you know. You have to be on the level, you say, you know, it's so much goodness God is giving me, you know. You know, like the Holy Pramishlana, he always said, I, everything is sweet, you know. <coughs> so if someone was very sick, you know, God forbid, he says, I. So sweet, you know. So sweet. But never, God forbid, if somebody died, he would say, God, it's too sweet, really. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, I gotta go as much as I don't want to, but I gotta go. What's the We're learning tomorrow again. Tomorrow, Mama shall try to be a Mama shall have on the dad. Some of you kids are coming tomorrow. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.